Kerry Newhoff in his book, um, Didn't See It Coming, uh, he talks about cynicism and he says the cure for cynicism is curiosity. So for a family person to be curious about how an organizational person thinks will add value to them. If a cause person is curious about a family person and says, who do you think needs to be in the room to make this happen? It adds value to them. When church or a Bible study or a friendship implodes, it's easy to become cynical in our pain. Pastor and guest speaker Rusty George joins us today to discuss how people can heal and live successfully in community. God promises to do some of his most important work in our lives through other people. In a time when church attendance is shrinking, we must pay close attention to God's heart for the body of Christ. We must ask ourselves, how do my abilities and gifts fit into community and help others? Before we join them, though, our monthly newsletter always includes a sermon from Gary or David Wilkerson and a ministry update about what God is doing through World Challenges partners around the world. You can sign up and receive monthly encouragement in your walk with Christ at worldchallenge.org. Your support makes a difference. Please consider donating to power the mission and make World Challenge resources like our newsletter and this podcast possible. Now, here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Great to be here uh, on the podcast again. Uh, I'm here with a new friend, uh, Pastor Rusty George from Valencia, uh, California at uh, Real Life Church. So um, uh, th- thanks for joining us. It's an honor. We, Thank you. We met earlier today. It's the first time when you spoke to our, uh, our leadership team here mm-hmm. at uh, World Challenge. Um, and you mentioned a little bit, uh, being that we're in Colorado Springs, just can you tell us a little bit about your connection here to our lovely yeah, city? absolutely. I, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, but my dad was from uh, Colorado Springs. In fact, he's a little bit infamous around here because yeah. when he was a teenager, he, he did a lot of wild and crazy things. I believe there's – well, one of his favorite stories was he actually tried to knock over the balancing rock at Garden of the Gods <laughs> no. uh, with a, uh, a tire jack. So uh, oh, he there's, there's a fence around that now because of him. Oh, so anyway, that, that was his upbringing. Uh, he, my, my mom got married and uh, lived in Wichita, Kansas, but we'd come back to Colorado Springs often for family and um, I just I love it it's just it's beautiful it's a little cold for me right now yeah. since I, I live in California, California now yeah. but uh, 23 yeah. today was stunning. so are you like him or do we have to put up uh, some <laughs> guardrails no. around our office here no, or no, like no. those uh, those okay. days are done so <laughs> okay. I'm, okay well good well uh, you've written two books right tell us the, the books you've written yeah I, I, I started off writing when I was doing young adult ministry in um, Lexington Kentucky we just had a lot of churches asking questions about how to do that. And this was during the whole postmodern age. Gen X yeah. was the buzzword. So I wrote a book called Herding Cats, which <laughs> wow. I think my mom read and maybe my <laughs> wife. And that's about it. Um, but it was uh, it, it kind of got me used to writing, and I really enjoyed okay. it. Then I wrote a book uh, called uh, When You, Then God, about the promises in the Bible. When we do X, God does Y. Hmm. And then I wrote Better Together, uh, mm-hmm. which is a book you and I talked about today. Yeah. Uh, I wrote another book after that called Justice, Mercy, Humility, A Simple Path for Following Jesus. And then I have a book coming out in October called After Amen, What to Do When You're Waiting After on God. Mm-hmm. Wow. What to, what to do when you're waiting on God. When you're waiting on God. I okay. just I have all these conversations with people after church where they come up and they, they tell me what's going on in their life and in their problems. And I say, well, tell me about you know talking to God about it. I said, I've been praying, but I'm not hearing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was that idea of what do you do after amen? Usually oh, okay. we've got all these books out there about how to pray, but not a yeah. lot to do with how to wait. So I started researching, what did Jesus tell people to do? And 
I mean, you know this. It's fascinating. He never really had the same answer for everybody. Right. There's all these different things. Go show yourself <clears throat> to the priest or go wash your eyes in the river or, um, you know, you're healed on the way or mm-hmm. all these different things. So I, I've been researching that. That's been a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. Take up your mat and walk. That's right. That one's always confused me because it's like, you know, some paralytics sleeping on a mat for 30 years and like, yeah. Why would he want to take it with him? It seems like he'd just want to walk away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess all possessions were precious, right? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds like an intriguing book. I, oh, I hope people you. will. And that comes out when? That'll be in October, October. I believe. October. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Um, and you're also pastoring a, a very large church. Uh, you've about 7,000 people in yeah, uh, a real life uh, church. Yeah. Yeah. We're at about three campuses now and a large online presence. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. But every day is a new challenge because you realize. I don't know what I'm doing, so we learn as we go, right? <laughs> Out of the things that you don't know what you're doing, which do you enjoy doing the most? Uh, <laughs> you, uh, teaching, preaching, leading, uh, pastoral care, um, mm. a- anything particular stand out in your... Well, there's still nothing like standing on stage and sharing the gospel. Isn't that great? Uh, that's yeah. just the greatest moment, and and you can feel in the room when people are getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Christmas and Easter moments, the the moment in a message when it all goes quiet and you know that the Holy Spirit's doing greater work than you are. And you get to just speak that good news. And for me, I just realized that most of the reasons people don't believe in God or Jesus or the scriptures anymore is because they've seen a bad representation of it. And if I can tell true stories about God versus the ones we grew up with, Mm. that's really fun. And so I think that's... That's really freeing. So most of that comes out in teaching, but some in the writing as well. Okay, good. So that's your, uh, and you have two daughters? Two daughters, and 17 and 15. And one wife? Yeah, one wife. So it's like I have three wives because they all, <laughs> they all want to know what I'm doing, where I'm of, going, and uh, can they come. <clears throat> wow. And then um, so between family life, uh, church life, writing, traveling, speaking, uh, how, how do you balance all that? You know, it kind of waxes and wanes. Okay. Uh, we talk a lot about rhythm more than balance. I think yeah, balance is, uh, we do that too, is yeah. overrated. And uh, I think that there's seasons that are even more intense. You know, I always tell my wife, and she knows this now after doing this for 25 years, December's not the most wonderful time of the year for a pastor. Right. Um, but it will be after Christmas, and yeah. so we'll, we'll rest <laughs> then. And same thing with Easter. Uh, you know, you pick your spots when to get away and, and uh, just – as Andy Stanley says, you choose to cheat. So we cheat business sometimes <laughs> so we can be home. Yeah, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, Better Together, I, uh, I read your book and I just uh, I fell in love with it. And, Thank you. and your, your, your style of writing and your insight and the <clears throat> things God's given you. Um, I think it's an important issue. You, you uh, label yourself as an introvert. Um, is that unusual for a megachurch pastor? And a I author? find that it's more common than you think. Okay. And, and some people are driven towards it. Um, I think a lot of us are kind of born that way. But in my case, it, it became natural to stand on stage and talk to people because they didn't talk back. Um, I'm horrible in a small group. If yeah. I have to lead a small group, it's awful because I don't know how to engage dialogue. I just know how to communicate things. So that's where I'm not very good. And then some people that are great in a small group can't talk on stage for a sustained amount of time. So I, what I'm learning is a lot of my uh, senior pastor friends, they're introverts as well. And sometimes they didn't start out that way, but just the knocks of ministry after a period of time. And you get so many people that want your time, you find mm-hmm. yourself just retreating a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you take take the introvert, <clears throat> and then you mentioned this morning to our team, uh, a little bit of a control. Uh, you have a desire. Yeah, yeah. To... Other people call that control. I, I call it leadership. But, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> That's a good yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, We'll agree to disagree on that yeah. one. But yeah, I think that that my personality style, 
the way I was raised, um, certainly my dad was this way. There's kind of a preferred future you're looking towards. Yeah. I think most leaders have this, something you want to get us towards, and you assume you know the best way to get there. So you have to you know, put some people around you that are brake pedal people that right. uh, keep you on track. Yeah. yeah. The um, can you describe uh, the the different like circles that you talk about with your your with yeah. your, your staff? I, let me give some context okay. to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we had a, a guy come in and speak to our staff um, several years ago. In fact, he was kind enough to write the forward to uh, Better Together. His name is Judd Wilhite. Oh, yeah. He's a pastor in yeah. Las Vegas. Uh, he's just amazing. Yeah. And and he kind of off the cuff said, I don't know if I've shared this before, but he shared these three circles, and it was like manna from heaven for our staff uh, because it really helped us understand each other. Um, what we've discovered, even on a church staff, is um, you know people are still people, and we still got our brokenness, and we have our personality issues. And if we're not careful, we vilify those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we assume that if you are all touchy-feely, then you don't care about the mission. Or if you're mission-oriented, then you don't have a heart. So we had to uh, figure that out. And his concentric circles were three different things. One is family, one is organization, one is cause. And on your staff, you have people that fall into one of those three categories. Right. You have the family people that are you know, very, I wouldn't even say emotional, but they care about people. Yeah. And when somebody leaves the staff, it hurts them more than it hurts somebody else. Um, when uh, they're the people that always want to have the uh, staff picnics and the Christmas parties <laughs> right. and all those kind of things. Then there's the box or the circle of the organization people. These people just want to know how to get stuff done. Um, okay, you can have the Christmas party, but let's put a team together. Let's plan it out. Let's have, you know, bullet points and spreadsheets and all the to-do lists. And there's so many apps out there for that. Then you have the cause-oriented people that all they care about is the mission, the mission of the organization. In our case, we would call these people the, uh, the world's going to hell. Let's get back to the mission, you mm-hmm. know. So forget about the Christmas parties and the, you know, the white elephant gifts and all that kind of stuff because we just got to get back out there. <laughs> and they don't, they don't really care how we do it. And they end up blowing the mission budget in January. You know, they, they get so focused on all that kind of stuff that they miss it. So our goal is to how do you look at the other two circles and bring them in? Not to vilify the other two circles and not to expect them to become like you, but, but value them for who they are. I, I just remember this uh, later after our staff conversation. I wish I would have said it to them. The tendency for us is to get cynical about the other two circles. Mm-hmm. Family gets cynical about Oregon cause, cause cynical about Oregon family, and, and so on down the line. Um, Kerry Newhoff in his book, um, Didn't See It Coming, uh, he talks about cynicism, and he says the cure for cynicism is curiosity. Hmm. So for a family person to be curious about how an organizational person thinks hmm. will add value to them. If a cause person is curious about a family person and says, who do you think needs to be in the room to make this happen, it adds value to them. And all the way around, yeah. curiosity really does help. As, yeah, and the opposition, the, <clears throat> I think the opposite of that would be <clears throat> you know, asking yourself, or asking other people, why aren't you more like me? Exactly. Why, why isn't this ministry more family-like? You know, so the family people want it to be yeah. pretty much exclusively a family ministry yes. or an org. All we need is organize, and we can right. be a family. We can organize family, or we can organize our cause. <laughs> uh, so all we have to do is be organized, and then the cause people, right. uh, again, and, so, and if we're not careful, it can cause uh, division and fractions. So you mentioned silos. Silos, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, then you have all these little groups that they all huddle together. Yeah. You always find someone that agrees with you. Yeah. Uh, and social media helps that because they use algorithms to figure out what you click on and like. And so they just keep flooding you with information of people that you think, man, yeah. all these people agree with me. Yeah. I must be right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, there's some yeah. science behind that. Yeah. And the same thing happens on a, on a staff of any kind of organization. 
is you end up hanging out with people that think just like you, and it only, you know, uh, bolsters your cause. Yeah. And in church life, uh, you know, staff is one thing because you're, you know, you're together eight hours a day a lot of times, it, mm-hmm. unless you're traveling. Uh, in church life, you know, you, you tend to meet each other maybe for a small group or uh, lunch after church, you know, sitting ne- together in, right. in church. But yet you have the same dynamic there. Uh, Christian people mm-hmm. uh, see themselves in, in these uh, silos and uh, – the, you know, why can't somebody be more like me? And so, you know, right. and even, you know, we even label churches like, oh, they're just all about organization or they're, right. oh, they're just about community and family and stuff like that. Yeah. And think about how that plays out like in an elders meeting is you have your, even, even there, you have family or organizational and cause people there. And the, the family people, they get mad because someone's running the church like a business. Mm-hmm. And then the organizational people get mad if it's not run like a business because you're wasting money. Then the cause people, they want to spend all their time on missions and, you know, projects like that. All these things are good. We just have to learn how to play in the same sandbox. Right. Do you think that happens in families as well? Oh, I do. I do. I see the dynamics in my home as well. Hmm. I think you could look at love languages. You could Mm -hmm. look at the Enneagram. But, you know, family, organ, cause, you know, the the cause person is, you know, even on a family vacation, uh, the goal (laughs) is just to get there. Okay. I don't care how we get there, how much fun we have. And the family person just wants to stop at every tourist attraction along the way and take selfies and all that. Uh, And the organization person is just balancing the checkbook to see if we can make it. So I think that plays out. And the quicker you begin to celebrate that and be curious about the way other people think, I think the better off you'll be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you've noticed this. The thing I've noticed as well in ministry, you, know, you have the three circles you're talking about. If if you just hone it down to two, there there does seem to be sort of a, a community or relationship, mm-hmm. loving one another, and then the cause, the, the kingdom, uh, mm-hmm. do that. So I'm I'm more of a cause type person. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say? I'm in your church, and I just come to you and say, man, I'm just tired. I I just my whole life is a cause, but I don't have friends. I don't mm-hmm. build community. What would how would you advise me? Is yeah. there anything you would say to me about how to, how to move from that cause mentality into yeah. uh, like like? Part of me is like I don't know if I value relationships enough. Right. Like, like I don't see them as I know they are in my mind right. and in my Christian heart, you know. So like and and when I read the Bible, so okay, relationships are vital, but 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 they seem to distract me from. Mm-hmm. The, the the cause like you know I need to be out there on the yeah. streets and uh, right. and there's poor people uh, starving and you want me to come and have lunch with you it's it's just is there anything you could do to help me right uh, I want to in my heart be more relational right and at times I feel these this real strong pull but my, but my gravity definitely is towards towards the cause is that okay or is there certain things I need to do to yeah there's that's a great it's a great dilemma that a lot of us face. Um, I think there's a simple prayer we could begin to pray, hmm. and that is, Jesus, give me your heart for your cause, if that's you know the one you're not in, or community. Okay. The one and you're not. If, you know, you begin praying that prayer 30 days. Okay. God begins to break your heart for these things, and make you more aware of it. Um, we tend to read the Bible through our own lens, so it justifies our own thoughts. And you know, Jesus is on a mission, seek and save the lost. That's what he's all about. But he did that in the context of community. Mm-hmm. You know, he did gather 12. I mean, these, these were not the sharpest tools in the shed, either <laughs> these guys, you know. And, but he, he, he validates them. And, he, and even from the beginning, the angels show up and tell the shepherds, you know, there's this, all this validation of people from wherever they are. So there is a need for community. And then the people that want to live in community, you got to recognize that God has a cause to do as well. I mean, think about this. 
We always talk about Acts 2, 42 uh, through 47 and how they, they, they were together and nobody had any needs and all that kind of thing. Well, the problem was they had all left their home to come together for Pentecost and they didn't go back home. So we had to start selling stuff to take care of all the people living in our home. Um, but Jesus yeah. said, I want you to go to Judea, Samaria and the uttermost regions. And they didn't. They stayed there. So what did, what did God do? He caused persecution to break mm-hmm. out and they scattered everywhere. And that's why we have the gospel where we are today. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's part of his his heart as well. Ask for God to give you the heart you don't have, and he tends to do it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really a growth issue, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm, I'm pretty strong in the cause, yeah. but the Holy Spirit is, you know, the sanctification is the process of growth. He's wanting to grow those areas. And I think that's where I get, <clears throat> you remember the old, the, the very first Star Wars movie when uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes up to the, uh, the stormtrooper and he wants to get in through the, the, yeah. the gate and he goes, you will open, you will yeah. let us in. And the, and the, the, and, and the guy board. goes, yeah. I will let you in. Yeah. Whenever I read a book, I feel like I'm being, you know, sort of Jedi mind trick. As I'll read a book on community, I'll go like, I got to give my life to that. That's yep. that's the most powerful thing in the world. And I'll read a book about organization and leadership. I'm like, oh, I got to give myself to uh, right. to do that. But it is. Uh, we were talking just before we started the podcast. You mentioned the word instead of balance, you know, harmony mm-hmm. or or uh, yeah, is rhythm. That rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like that idea too. Of like, uh, you know, a, a great jazz pianist doesn't say like, I got to really make sure I, <clears throat> you know, I balance my notes out. I don't want too many low notes or too many high notes. But but it's the it's the rhythm or the harmony putting those those things uh, turn together and i think the idea of of somebody who's built for relationships to get a little harmony or rhythm with with cause uh, that's so good and i love that you brought up jazz i love jazz and as you know jazz is a conversation between all the instruments that are there right right. and so you hear the moments when the piano kind of dies out and the bass line kicks in or it's the drums and the same thing i think is true in these three circles i'm talking about you don't have to change who you are. You just have to bring others along with you. And as you were saying, you know, being Jedi mind tricked into being community based, you don't have to change that you're cause oriented. Just do it with other people. You know, and, and <laughs> okay. if you're if you're if you're community oriented, that's fine. Just now have a cause beyond mm-hmm. yourselves. Uh, and that's thinking beyond who you are and, and letting the piano die out for a moment so the bass line can kick in. I like in. that. That makes it kind of simple. It's not so uh, it's not so, you know, you have to dig deep into the recesses of your heart to find out what's wrong with you. It's it's, a, right. just, it's kind of simple. You just join some other people. Yeah, and, exactly. I think these uh, are the traps we get into. We first say, uh, well, I'm okay and you're not, so you need to be more like me. Or I'm not okay, so I need to be more, more like you. Uh, but you're the only you that God's made, so be you. Just recognize that God wants to do that together. Right. No matter what gifts God has given us, He has made them to work best alongside the gifts and abilities of others. In community, we will find God's greatest blessings. We will always be better together. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound designed for this episode by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schmitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington, with video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners with biblical encouragement. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson podcast to receive more encouragement. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.